Let us pray. To a God who created us, we come. To a God who knows our names, our address, we come. To a God that knows our life story, not only the beginning, but also the end, we come. We can come to you because you came to us first. We can come to you because you made yourself known to us and gave us your name, that we may call upon you. How else would we have known? We can come to you because you gave us your word, written by many, many different people, found its way through thousands of years, that we in this time may know that there is a God that loves and cares, a God that wants to be involved. We come to you because we worship you. We come to you because we believe in you. We come to you because we know you are the only answer to life and to how to live. We come to you today, and we ask, O oh Lord, that as I need to read from, all of us need to read from your scripture, but I need to share some ideas about this, that these ideas will come from you. And, O oh Holy Spirit, may you then work in us and guide us to, to understand what you would like us to know about yourself and about us, and how to live life in 2022 and beyond. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. An anxious world that we live in. Anxious people surround us. It seems to me that's one of the most important things or biggest things that people complain about when they come and see their medical provider. Anxiousness. Concern, stress, worry. Um, and if you talk about anxiety or these kinds of things, it has to do with fear. There's this underlying fear that people are constantly battling with in the world that we now live. Now, I went to the CDC site and um, found the following. That almost 20% of all adults, that's 40 million people, daily struggle with this. Worry about tests. That's not only the pass a test at school or university. That's now results that you get from your, your, your blood tests. Bills, relationships, panic before a big moment or event, fear of dangerous object or scenario, and feeling awkward in some social situations. Now, a, a lot of stress is okay. It's, it's okay to be stressful. Otherwise, we probably will not have enough energy to do the things that we need to do. So I'm not saying that we can't have any stress in our lives. That's okay. Because it's part of life to have some stress. The problem is that you can, can get to this point where they actually now call it an anxiety disorder. Constant worrying without cause that interrupts your daily life or living then. Panic attacks without cause and perpetual fear of having another one. To avoid social gatherings out of fear of feeling uncomfortable or embarrassed. Irrational, unexplainable fear of something that poses no danger. These are just a few of the options that's out there. It's, my sermon is not about giving you a psych psychology lesson. Just give us an idea. What is the result of living a life of stress, a life of deep fear? It steals your joy. It steals your joy. It robs us of life and living in the sense that you don't expand yourself anymore because you are too afraid to do certain things that you think you should do, but 
Fear stops you from doing this. It restricts us to use our talents. It creates a sense of hopelessness. It makes you feel miserable, terrible about yourself and about the world, and you lose focus on what is really important in your life. The reasons for this, a time like this, our time is not that special. You know, I gave this a lot of thought. There's not yet been a generation where people were not exposed to a lot of stress and a lot of hardship and a lot of issues. You know, many times I think back when I was a kid, life was fantastic. That's nonsense. There was the Vietnam War going on. There were all kinds of stuff happening on. There were financial crises and all kinds of difficult things took place. Morally, the world probably did a little bit better than now and ethically, but otherwise it was stressful with all the things that were constantly happening, and now we have it also in the time that we now live. Had all of these COVID, COVID things happening, I almost said nonsense, all of these COVID things happening with us, then we've got this huge inflation, then we've got the war in Russia, then they tell us there's a huge... Um, Catastrophic coming for us, what the world is concerned, and all this stuff creates just this underlying fear about life. And then the empty toolbox. I don't think we've really, I don't think we really realize how many people have no idea how to live life and to cope with stress. The toolbox is empty. So if anything breaks, and I'm trying to fix it, or I try to, to, to get somebody with some object, and I grab my toolbox and it's empty, I am stuck. If I don't have a tool that I can take out, that I can apply, so that I can at least move forward a little bit with my life. Young people, older people also. But there's a large group of young people that can't really deal with the stress of this world that they are now living in. Countless of them would say, even to me in my office, this is really hard, this life that I'm living in. I don't think I've got the tools to be able to cope or to deal with it because there's overwhelming kinds of things coming my way and I have no idea really how to, how to cope. So they don't sleep. They stress out. They step away and they go and sit in their room. They don't want to get out anymore. Then the sense of loneliness is part of it. You feel alone. You feel that people do not understand you. They do not understand your issue. You may tell your family, I'm struggling, I'm going through all of this, and they look at you with blank eyes because you only need to be exactly where that person is in life to really understand this. If you have a bad cold or flu, nobody understands how you feel except the person that's also having at that point a bad cold or flu. Because if you feel okay, you can't really relate always to the person that's struggling. Then this insecurity part, that's also an issue here. The moment when people are insecure, then they start to struggle with their relationships. Uh, and many times, huge stress moments bring, bring this relationship crisis in people's lives. There's a trauma in a family. Something really bad happens. A lot of stress suddenly finds its way into their lives, and suddenly relationship issues. It, it's an explosion. People can't get along anymore. So today I'm going to try, for you watching and you guys that are here, to give you a few tools that you and I can put in our toolbox as we all are going to face life and stress because and anxiety. I do not live in a, a stress-free life. I, I need to sleep with a mouth guard because my dentist told me, you are gnashing your teeth away. You won't have teeth if you continue like this. So I've got this thing that I need to sleep with. I look like a guy that's going to play football. You know, but I'm only going to bed. 
So, so all of us are facing anxiety and fear because this is the world we live in, but I need tools, and you also do. So I chose a section in the Bible. I could have chosen many different sections, but this specific one for today. And, and in the background, as I read this section, just remind yourself there's another section that sort of connects with this one, where there was another storm on the Sea of Galilee. But let's go and look what happens here. And after he had dismissed the crowds, that's now Jesus in Matthew, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it's I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Storms will come. Why didn't the Lord calm the wind before his disciples went out on the sea? That would have been way easier. The wind was blowing. He went up the mountain. He said, go to the other side. They started rowing, and they rowed, and they rowed. It seems to me they rowed almost the whole night, because it was early in the morning when they were sort of getting to the other side. The Lord could have calmed the sea for his disciples. That is the church in this boat. That's his church. These are the people that are the closest to him, and you would imagine that he would make it the best possible for them to get wherever they want from point A to point B, and he could have calmed the waves and the wind for them before they left. Lord, why don't you calm the storm and the wave for Church of the Lakes? The Lord says, no, no, it doesn't work that way. You guys are going to be immersed in this world, and you will have power outages, and you will have phone systems failing, and you will have TV screens not working, and you will have your roof blown off as we had in 2004 when Hurricane Charlie came through. And you will have all of these things that will happen around you because this is part of life, and you are not going to be exempt of it, even though you are my church. Who's the church? It's not this building. You see, I was talking about the building, but that's not the church. The church is you and me. Lord, why don't you make my path through life easier? The Lord says, Ferdy, that's not how it works. Your life will be full of hardship and all kinds of complexity because I'm not going to make you exempt from all of these things because that's not how it works. God is not giving us a plain sailing route as, a, as his church, as his people in this world. Can these guys swim, I wondered. Why was Peter so afraid? If he can swim, he walks on water, and now suddenly he goes down, then you just swim. Because there's the boat, there's Jesus, so what's the issue? I don't know if they could swim. Maybe they could. I think they could. But the long and the short is he didn't really trust himself anymore at that point. Because that's what happens with us. You see, the moment when we face these huge obstacles in our lives, we really start, start to question ourselves and our abilities. And that's normal. 
That's actually normal. We are not crazy by doing this because we are overwhelmed by what comes towards us. And that's what happened with Peter. I really think he could swim because he grew up as a fisherman on the lake. But at that moment when he started to sink, he forgot. The third thing, it got from bad to worse for these disciples. So, as though they were fighting the waves and the wind, the next moment, then the Lord showed up. And, and, and they thought it was a ghost. And it's really stupid. Um, let's think for a moment. The Lord said, go to the other side. They knew at some point he's going to catch up with them. They had no idea really how, but they knew. He, he didn't send them away alone. He said, I'll be there with you guys. The first thing that they thought when they saw Jesus coming was, it's a ghost. Why would they not think it may be Christ coming? Why would they think it's a ghost coming? Because that's just how our natural life works. Our fears will always go to the dark side, isn't it? It's going to get worse. And the moment which anything happens, oh, it's going to be terrible. Because that's just how we are. We are wired to think the worst is going to happen now. It's just going to be terrible. And then the Lord answers, it's I. It's I. Across the waves and the wind, his voice rings out, rings out and he says, it's me. And then he says, well, he actually says, take heart, it's, it's, it's I. But take heart means get some courage, calm down. Take heart just means relax, it's okay. Don't be afraid because I am here. So what do we learn from this? Do not be afraid to trust God. He knows where we are. They were rowing on this lake, the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's quite big, the thing. It's pitch dark. They probably had a lamp. I do not know how well that lamp worked while they were rowing in the, in the, in the wind. The long and the short is Jesus was on a mountain praying, and then he walked towards them. He knew where they were. He knew where they were. He knew which boat was the one that he had to get to. This really brings some comfort to me because I know even though I may be in the darkest part of my life, Christ knows exactly where I am. He knows exactly where I am. Not owing know where I am, he's also on his way to be there with me. Because that's what he promised me, I will be there for you. My, my, my issue with God with respect is his timing. <laughs> you know, I many times want the Lord to be with me as I start on this journey. The Lord says, you go, you go, you do your thing. And then I say, ah, it's terrible. It's, everything is falling apart. The boat is sinking, you know, we are strong against the wind. And the Lord says, I'm here. I've always been on my way to be there with you. It's, it's okay. And the one that came is the one that can actually walk on water. That none other person can do. Many people have tried. It doesn't really work that well. But he can walk on water because he's God. The one that knows where I am in the midst of my darkness is the one that's not only the one that is coming towards me, but also the one that can do the most amazing miracles for you and for me. Because he's God. Then he says to them, fear not. If you page through the Bible, the terms fear not or do not be afraid comes forth 365 times. As many days there are in a year. Maybe it's a coincidence. I'm not really sure. But somebody went and counted it. I didn't. Somebody else did. And that person said it's amazing that for 365 times, 
356 times. I, I, I'm thinking Afrikaans now, but you know how many days there are in a year. For every single day, there's a fear not or do not be afraid in the Bible. Why must I trust him? Because I'm on his journey. He told his disciples, go to the other side. They didn't just decide to go. He said, go. And he sent them into the wind. He sent them into the waves. And he went praying. He knew all along that they were battling there in the ocean. He knew that. But he was doing what he had to do. But he knew exactly what was going to happen with them, that he was going to be there for them when they needed him the most. He's going to be there. Go and do your thing. Live your life. We are on the journey of God himself. Trust him. They had no idea where they were really going and why they were going to the other side. Christ didn't tell them. He just said, go to the other side. And the other side is a long side. But they just ended up somewhere. So many times you and I are a little bit like Abram in the book of, of Hebrews. We leave and we do not know where we're going to end up at the end. That's what the book of Hebrews says about Abram. And maybe, maybe many times we feel like this, that I'm on a journey, I have no clue where I'm going to end, but at the end of the day, the Bible tells me, if I believe in Christ and I am part of his group, to say it now a little bit cheesy way, if I'm in his boat, then I'm on his journey, not mine. And even though I do not know where I'm going, he's, he's the one that sent me. And why will he let me drown? Don't be afraid to trust him with your life. There's this story, real quick, of this guy who was walking at night on a mountain, and he slipped, and he fell, and he hung over a cliff, you know. So this is the cliff, and he's hanging there, you know. His flashlight fell. It's pitch dark. He has no idea. Four feet below him, there's the ground. He had no idea. He's hanging there. And he yells, help me, help me, help me, because he thinks he's going to die. And then he started to pray, and the Lord answers him, and he says, just let go. Just let go. And after a while, the guy said, God, is it you? And God said, it's me. Just let go. And then he says, is there anyone else that can help me? <laughs> Maybe that's our problem with God many times. You know, he knows he's only four feet below us. We should go. And he would, no, someone else, please come and help. Don't be afraid to celebrate life. You, you know, I'm so glad we song, sang these uplifting songs today. I, I think we read the Bible somewhat wrong sometimes. You know, you know, I think it's the pictures that we have in our mind that was probably in the old Bibles that you and I grew up with. The pictures were always there of Jesus standing there with respect. And then in the Roman Catholic books, they had this halo around his head constantly, and he was always dressed in a white robe. That's nonsense. He, he looked like all the other folks did. Where do you think humor comes from? Where do you think life really and the celebration of life comes from? It comes from God. I don't think there will be any humor in hell one day. Because humor belongs to God. Satan just made it bad in some ways. So, so there's this lot of disciples in the boat. And I think they are struggling with the waves and they are rowing and it's difficult. But still they are together and I think they are enjoying somewhat of this moment. You know, when the Lord came here, he played with it. That's why I've got that picture of the Lord dancing with little children. I think he smiled and he laughed way more than you and I can imagine. Peter jumped into, the, into this moment. Lord, hey, command me to come to you. And he said, do you know how many times I told joke about, jokes about this? Peter, remember that day when you thought you could walk on water like Jesus? Said, I, I know, I know. I, yeah. When the Lord said, you have little faith. Do you think that was a stern warning? I think the Lord said that with a smile. 
I said, with all my heart, I think the Lord just smiled and said, you guys, what must I do with you? You never believe anything that I tell you. Because he loves us. That's how a parent talks to his children. A parent that really loves his children. But we have made God this judge, this sergeant major in the army. And you guys that have been in the army, you know those guys. There's nothing fun about them. At the moment when there's anything wrong, they yell at you, you need to run another 10 miles. People have made God the sergeant major of life. You know, he's saying, you can't do this, you can't. I, I have a completely different view of God, biblically. My view of God is this great dad, with respect, that wants to have fun with me and with life and with you, and, and gives us wonderful things to enjoy because he's a smiling God. And then we all know that in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord himself says, why do you guys worry about all this this stuff. Look at the birds in the air. They don't build storage places. They don't have things that they store up. Of course, my dad takes care of them. My dad will take care of you. Do not be too afraid to die. So, why did Peter get so afraid? In the other storm, why did the disciples get so afraid? Because deep in our hearts, we are all afraid to die. Death is that thing that scares most of us because none of us want to die. Um, Now, that's normal. And that's why I've got the uncertainty up there because there's a lot of uncertainty about death. Uh, Jesus is the only one who came back and told us about life and death, and he survived it. So nobody really has told us exactly how this thing is going to work. But then Paul comes and Paul writes and he says, you know, the last thing of life, the the worst thing of life that can really cause you to have stress and to lose your joy is that fear of death that lies there. And Paul comes and he says, when Christ came, he rose from the dead. He removed that last sting, that, that last sword, that last thing that can take away your joy. He came and he destroyed that because Paul repeatedly says, and even Peter in his letter says, because now we can just walk through a door and be with our Father. As a Christian, I know that this life is sort of the, the start for my life that, life that will start after my death. And that's the certainty that the Bible gives us. Now, that doesn't mean that's why my, the thing is there. That's why we sh- should not be stupid. This doesn't mean that you and I need to be reckless. That I should say, well, you know, I am going to just live this reckless life so that I can die. You know, there's the story of a wife that passed away and then her husband died a year or so later, and he got to heaven, and it was fantastic. He, his wife was waiting for him. It's not biblical, the story, please. But his wife, was fa- she was so excited to see him, and he's so excited to see her, and she showed him everything. He said to her, I'm so upset with you. She said, why? He said, you made me eat all that good stuff and exercise and watch my weight. I could have been here years before. <laughs> eat your good stuff. Exercise. Do what needs to happen. Don't be stupid and say, I want to die and try to die. That's not right. But as Christians, as children of God, if we think about death, there's this bit of uncertainty. But the Son of God came to tell us that death's sting has been removed. And I'm almost excitingly looking forward to the day when the Lord is going to bring me home because I can't wait to see what's there. I'm sometimes, as Luis would say, jealous of the people that dies before me because they already now know what I'm still hoping for, as the book of Hebrews says. So 
that, that thing that, that makes some people just don't want to live almost anymore because they are too afraid to die, I think it's not really biblical. To be concerned is okay. But there's also an expectation that Paul writes about. He says, the Lord wants me to be here, but I can't wait to be with him. Thomas Deverson, this is a true story, was on his way west. They got to the Fox River. Well, not to the river yet, but they were close to the Fox River. It was a notoriously difficult river to cross. And they were staying in this sort of inn thing. And they were talking about the fact that they need to cross the Fox River the next day. And, and they knew it was a very hard river because it would change constantly. Sometimes it's deep, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's the currents are this way, whatever. And they were, shall we get a boat? Can we use our horses? Shall we swim? Shall we walk through? What must we do? How can we cross the Fox River? And then while they were there, Trapper William showed up. And they were really excited to see him. They said, Trapper William, you have probably crossed the Fox River many times in your life. He said, ah, many times I've crossed the Fox River. They said, what must we do? Boat? Uh, horses, uh, barge, what must we do? We need to cross the Fox River tomorrow to get to our destination. What must we do? And he said to them, yeah, it's a very notorious, very dangerous river. But I never cross the river until I get to it. Listen for a moment. I never cross the river until I get to it. You see, all the planning year beforehand, and all the planning beforehand means nothing until you get to the river. Because only when you're standing on the bank, you know, okay, this is what I now need to do, that I may cross this obstacle in my road. The lesson out of this is that all of us, and I am as guilty as you guys are, I try to determine the future today, and I try to predict the future today, and I try to fix what is wrong in the future already today, and the Lord says, why do you worry about tomorrow if there's enough to worry about today? Just focus on today, and you, you'll be okay when you get there because you'll be able to cross it when you get there. And how many times in my life have Luis and I looked back on our life and thought, how many sleepless nights did we have about stuff that we prayed about and we were so concerned about, and then eventually it worked out okay. Because God tells us, I've got it. And working out okay means it served God's kingdom and His plan, not maybe the, the best for us always, but we knew at the end of the day, this is what God intended for us to have. My last slide, fear of faith. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, reap, gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your lifespan? But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. I had a picture. It's now gone. Okay, I do not know where that is. I had a picture of a person walking, and then, I don't know what happened to my, to my picture, but a person walking, and then in the background, Christ is there. We are never alone. So if I now think about my life and the stress and all the difficult things. What is in my toolbox? When I look down in my toolbox, there is the Word of God. And the Word of God tells me, further, you are not alone in this life. The, 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 the Bible tells me that storms will come because it came for the church. And I'm the church. The Bible tells me that it's dark and it's difficult, but the Lord knows where I'm at. And the Lord will come and the Lord will smile at me and He will laugh at me because He knows I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I'm trying to figure out life, and I can't really. The Lord just says, God, keep on rowing. Do what I, what I send you to do, and I will get you to my destination.
Amen.